Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, if you have a Bible, you don't need to turn to John 3.16. It's going to be up there for a little bit, but you can turn to 1 John. We'll eventually be in 1 John chapter 2, and we'll catch up with you there in a little bit. So, uh, as we look uh, in life, we see that we use the word love to describe a wide range of emotional and relational connections. I mean, I love Kathy. I love you guys. Well, I love Kathy a little more intensely than I... You can say, I love you guys, but I love Kathy. You can, can say it like that, but it's the same word. We use it the same way. So we recognize there's a difference between somebody loving someone enough to hang out sometimes and somebody loving someone enough to want to spend the rest of their life with them. You can love them enough to look forward to seeing them or you can love them enough to be willing to sacrifice greatly for their good. Uh, God loved you enough that God the Son died on the cross to take the penalty for your sins. Jesus, the sinless one, died in our place to bear the punishment of our sins so that we could receive the forgiveness of those very sins. He willingly took our punishment on himself. And so when, when we compare John 3.16 as probably the most well-known verse, I know a lady who taught this verse to her kids long before the lady herself got saved. About seven years before she got saved, she was already teaching her kids this verse. For God so loved the world. Say it with me in whatever translation you've memorized it. For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever lived to be him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We, we know this verse. And we love this verse. For God so loved the world. And so who was the apostle that wrote that down in scripture? John. Ah, yeah. John 3.16. John's the one who wrote this down. Now, let's look at something else John wrote that sounds like it could be a contradiction. 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God loved the world, so I guess he loved it enough. We don't have to? Is that what's going on here? Or is this a conundrum or a contradiction? Oh, wait, I know what happened. Between when John wrote the gospel and when John wrote this letter, God changed his mind. Do you think that happened? No, we understand there's different ways to look at the word love, and there's different ways to look at the word World Now, in English and in Greek, it's the exact same word, world, but he means it differently. See, he wants you to love people. You are called to love people. In fact, he said the badge of Christianity is that we show love to one another. That's how people recognize that we're following Christ. But see, he doesn't want you to love the world that much. Love the people, but not the world. 
See, like the word love, our English word world also has multiple meanings. And world can mean planet Earth. A world can mean the, the world system, or it can mean the collective national and tribal government, or it can mean people. Well, in John 3.16, we understand he's referring to the people of this world. God so loved the people living on planet Earth that he gave his only begotten son, and Jesus came and gave his life for the people of planet Earth. But in 1 John 2.15, the world means the socio-economic materialistic culture that we live in. Don't love the world. <laughs> so when John writes, do not love the world, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God not to challenge or change what Jesus said, but to show the fullness of the life of Jesus lived out on our behalf. Do not love the world. God demands that you show love to the people of this planet, exactly like Jesus did. But he also demands that you not fall in love with the stuff on this planet that can attract us and distract us, but to focus on greater spiritual matters, exactly like Jesus did. So if you have your Bible and you're in 1 John chapter 2, Guess which verse we're going to start with? Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we look at your holy word this morning, we pray that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted, that we would be encouraged. We pray that we would genuinely listen, not just with our ears, but with our heart, with our soul, to your word and to your spirit. May you speak into our lives and may we respond in faith to you. In Jesus' name. So, uh, this is how Jesus could be both a friend of sinners, as reported in Matthew 9, Matthew 11, Mark 2, Luke 7, Luke 15, but also be separate from sinners, as is described in Hebrews 7.26. So, he was a friend of sinners, but he was separate from sinners. So, we love the people of this world, but we don't love the stuff of this world. So if we look in this passage, he says in verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So one of the first things we see here is that when you truly love God, you will be less in love with the things of this world. You'll be less enamored with them and by them. So that uh, the, the process is that we love God and so therefore, we love the world a little bit less. See, there was a day when John was not married to Anna. In fact, there was a day when John was smitten with Anna, and Anna wasn't yet smitten with John. 
And John was delighted when Anna got a little smitten in there. Uh, but you know, when John decided Anna was the one for him and he wanted to pursue a relationship with her, he understood that if he's going to love Anna, then he has to care a lot less about all the other people in the world. You know, way back when they fell in love, there were only six billion people on the planet. Uh, but at least half of those people were women. And John said no to three billion women because he said yes to Anna. And see, we understand that. that, that and here we are seeing spiritually that when you love God, you're going to care about the things of this world a little bit less. They're not going to be as important. They're not going to seem critical. What will seem critical is pleasing the Father, because someday you're going to stand before him in heaven. So it's okay to love some things of this world. You might love your iPhone or your iPad. That's okay. Just don't love your iPhone, okay? Just love it a little bit. And uh, you might love your widescreen TV or your car, your house, your sports team, or your refrigerator. Uh, but don't love them. Just love them. Love it a little bit. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. But don't set your heart on the things of this world. Now, I've seen some Christians get so enamored with the beauty of our country, and we have a phenomenal country, not just in the land, but in the system of government. Yes, our country is a mess in some ways, but it's still the best one on the planet right now, and, and we rejoice to be able to live here. And the United States is spectacularly beautiful all around the country, but especially in the state of Arizona. And uh, so I am a little bit biased, uh, but uh, maybe just a little bit biased. You know? uh, but, but we could spend our entire life just sightseeing. And, and some people do that. Now, if when you're traveling around, as some people do, and that's all you're doing is just checking out the sights, then you're kind of acting like you're in love with this world. Now, I have known some Christians who they went on the road for a while and they toured around, but when they stopped, they visited churches. They spent time in churches. They also witnessed for Christ wherever they were in the campgrounds where they were. And they also then tried to help people everywhere they went. So they weren't just indulging themselves with the beauty of our country, they were also trying to honor God. See, when you really love God, you're going to want to do things for Him and do things with His people. So how can you tell if you're loving the world? Well, here's a couple of things. If you know it's wrong and you do it anyway, you're loving the world more than the Father. When you frequently daydream about people or places or things, then you're loving the world. When you get more excited about things on earth than about your future in heaven, like cheering like crazy at a sporting event, and then we come to church and we sing songs of worship to an awesome God, and you just say, you should be excited about God. Or maybe when you, when you pray three times a day, but it's only at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
right? Or uh, you get distracted when you're scanning articles or uh, updates, but you don't have time to read your Bible. Your priorities are out of balance. When you are enthusiastic about your video games or your job or your car or your friends, but you're not enthusiastic about church and gathering with the, your brothers and sisters in Christ or growing closer to the Lord, then you're probably showing more love for this world. When your tithes and offerings are given grudgingly instead of joyfully, I, I heard a story where uh, a dad went into church and they had an offering box in the back and, and the, the dad and his son went in and after church the dad was kind of grumbling and he says, you know, that preacher just spoke way too long. That just wasn't a very good sermon and it was way too long. And his son said, well, dad, you, you only gave five bucks. I think you got your money's worth. <laughs> but, but some people, when they give to the Lord, they're kind of stingy about it. And there should be a joyfulness in giving. Because when, when you put money in that offering box, you, you're not only helping the ministry right here and the Awana ministry that we had here Thursday night and yesterday and the Bible classes that we had this morning, but you're also helping support the missionaries that we have on that back wall who are uh, reaching people that we couldn't even pronounce their names, and they're reaching them for Christ. And so we have a part in that. So we should be enthusiastic about it. But we also, if we want to love God, did you just put money in the offering box? <laughs> I got it all month. <laughs> Does anybody else feel inspired? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, didn't plan it. Maybe should have given it a little thought. <laughs> See, what one of the things, if you really want to love God and not love the world, is you need to be very careful who your friends are. Choose your friends carefully. I, I realized um, I had dated a couple of girls from a youth group. And they were nice girls, and they were cute, and they were funny, and they were fun to be around. And, and then uh, I ended up asking Kathy out, and from the very beginning, Kathy was talking to me about my spiritual life. You know, asking me about prayer requests that I've had answered, and, and what have I read in my Bible. And it really dawned on me that none of those other girls, from the youth group, Christians, Girls who said they trusted Christ and wanted to follow him, none of them showed a spiritual interest. And so I married her. And I rejoiced that she was young and naive and a teenager and didn't know any better. And she said, yes, and married me. But, but see, your friends should be helping you spiritually. And if they're not, they're hurting you spiritually. So listen to a few of these verses. Well, they'll be up on the screen. James 4.4, he actually used the phrase adulterers and adulteresses. And they're not committing sexual fornication, but they're cheating on their heavenly father. 
in earthly relationships. And he said, do you not know that friendship with the Lord is enmity with God? It's like declaring war on God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. When you choose the things of this world, you are hurting yourself spiritually. You are hindering what God wants to do in your life. And then um, your, your close friendships with the world or with worldly people will impact your life significantly and sinfully. If, if the people you're closest to are not helping you spiritually, they're hindering you spiritually. Then 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. People who do wrong, people who, and you hang around with them, they influence you, whether you realize it or not. That's why we need to be a little careful for the movies that we watch and, and the video games that we play, because you are being influenced by what you spend time putting into your brain. And so it will impact you spiritually, positively or negatively, but it will impact. In fact, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Well, what does that mean? Well, the lump he's talking about is a loaf of bread. Back in the old days when you had to bake your own bread, you know, uh, in the days before sliced bread, uh, you had to mold it and so you'd have a, a lump of bread dough and then you just get a little leaven in there and pretty soon the whole thing is impacted and it starts kind of swelling up the yeast is making it rise and so if you put it in there once it's in there it impacts the whole thing even though you only put it in one area and so uh, when you allow love for the things of this world to take an equal or higher place than your love for spiritual things, then it's impacting you and drawing you away from God. As Psalm 1 counsels, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit with those who are scornful. Step away from them and, and walk away because they're hurting you and hindering you. See, when you really love the Father, then you can't be really loving the things of this earth. And when you are really loving the things of this earth, then you're not in that area, at that time in your life, you're not loving the Father. So uh, as, uh, as a church, we said that our purpose is to show God's love and to share his truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. We are loving, showing his love to people who desperately need it. We're sharing his truth with people who desperately need to hear it. And then we are loving and serving the Lord Jesus Christ together. We're, we're family in Christ. We're laboring for Christ. And we're showing his love to one another and, and to other people. So when you truly love God, you're going to be less enamored with, less in love with the things of this world. Secondly, this world system actively, actively discourages ungodly desires. So he said in verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. It's temporary. The world is passing away at the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So watch your favorite television show sometime or your favorite sporting event. I know some of you people are really into watching the British curling shows. <laughs> so your favorite uh, sporting event, pay attention to the philosophies and the values that are being presented in the conversations that take place between the sportscasters or on the show, the dialogue that takes place. And that most of the time they are not biblical or spiritual. And if they do teach spiritual values at all, they don't really focus on biblical truth. Jesus said, speak the truth in love. He didn't say just love everybody and don't share the truth. We have to speak the truth and we have to have love. And so if, if they're, te they're teaching a corruption of spiritual values when they deal with spiritual values at all. But then pay attention to the commercials. What do the commercials focus on? Our greed, our consumerism, our covetousness, and that's emphasized over and over, and often also our lust. I mean, they use inappropriately dressed or inappropriate conversations to sell toothpaste, to sell potato chips, and watch what's going on in it, and realize this is war. They're trying to turn my mind and my heart away from God. So uh, this world is not a friend to God or to godly people. Now, I enjoy watching TV more than Kathy does. Uh, we love my new hearing aids. They Bluetooth to the television so I can have the sound going right in my hearing aid and she can actually sit in the same room and read a book and not be blown out by the television. It used to be before I got these Bluetooth and hearing aids, she would, I would sit in the room and even if she was watching the show with me, she'd sit back in the other room as far from the TV and just she'd see this little box in there because she was as far away as she could get because the sound was so loud. But you know what? There's a lot of times I start watching a show and after a little bit, I turn it off. And Kathy said, you weren't liking it? I didn't know I wasn't. They kept saying this or doing that. They had these characters behaving in this way, which are so uh, anti-God that I just couldn't stomach the show anymore. And uh, so I joined her in reading the book. Not the same book. Uh, I, I read a different book. But it, it, the world is not a friend to God, and it's not a friend to godly people. When you take a stand, a biblical stand, there's going to be people who act like they hate you, and maybe they even will, Jesus said. So the, he says here, the lust of the flesh, the desire to be and do, your body craves things that are not good for you. Your body craves things that are not good for you, from sexual behavior to eating habits. Uh, the lust of the flesh will move you into thoughts and activities that are unspiritual and that are very harmful. The lust of the flesh. The second area he says here is the lust of the eyes, the greed, the covetousness, the desire to have and hold what God does not provide. 
See, one of the instructions that given in Scripture is to be content with such things as you have. Now, uh, if everyone in our country practiced contentment, the advertising industry would go bankrupt and a whole bunch of companies would run out of business, go out of business. Because they do not want you to be content. Now, I wasn't alive then, but some of you read the history as I have, and some of you maybe lived through uh, parts of World War II. And you know what they said in World War II? Our country's in a difficult time. Save as much as you can. Save, save, save. Well, in the Iraq War, you know what they said? Our country's in a difficult time. We have to support the economy. Spend, spend, spend. Well, what happened? Greed. Right. And we, that's the lust of the eye. You just see it and you want it. And I gotta be honest with you, I really like cars and trucks and motorcycles. And, and I, even now, I know I can't ride a motorcycle anymore. Had to give it up years ago because of health issues bothered me. And, and I still miss riding. But man, every now and then, I see that dream bike go by. And I think, oh man, I should talk Richie into buying that so I can ride it every now and then. <laughs> I, I just, I miss riding. I loved it. I love big fancy trucks. When I was a business manager and the company provided a car for me, mine was a truck. And I loved driving that truck. I actually had several of them. And uh, I miss it. And you know what? It's okay with God that I don't have those things. And if it's not okay with me, then I don't have an issue with covetousness. I have an issue with faith and trust in God. And so we need to make sure we're living within the means that God has given us, with the stuff that God has given us, and we're grateful for what we have. Now, it does help that Kathy and I have friends in Cuba, and knowing how they live and what they go through, that we have life so much easier than they do. And, and that encourages us and helps us. We read stories about people really struggling, and so uh, it helps you put it in balance. But the lust of the flesh, the desire to be and do things that you shouldn't, the lust of the eyes, desire to hold and have things that God has not provided, and then the pride of life, am ambitiously wanting to make yourself look good, uh, even if, or maybe especially if, it makes other people look not so good. So you want to be in charge, you don't want to submit, you don't want to serve, and yet God has called us to be servants. Amen. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So you have to say, I'm going to choose to follow God. This world system actually encourages ungodly desires, and we have to turn away from it. Thirdly, you need to intentionally not love the things of this world intentionally not love them. Not just, you have to actually plan for it. It's not going to happen. <coughs> You're not going to wake up someday and suddenly feel like, you know what? The things of this world just don't interest me today. Because that's 
not the life that we live. We live in a world where temptation's all around us, and we have to on purpose choose to say, no, I'm not going to love that. I'm not going to go there. Uh, Kathy and I were watching a television program years ago, and, and we watched, I don't know, three or four episodes, and then we watched an episode, and we said, you know what? We can't watch this anymore, ever. And we just stopped. Why? Because it was pushing us toward things that were not godly, not spiritually healthy, and we just said no. Uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, you maybe looked at this in the Bible class. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Pop it up on the screen there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now read verse 2 with me if you can see it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't let the world push you into its mold. When I was a kid, our pastor said, some of you older folks, you remember the jello molds that we had? And, and my mom had a dozen different jello molds. And, and we could have jello that showed up looking like all kinds of strange things. The weirdest one she had was one that actually looked like a turkey. And she would, when she put food coloring and stuff in there, it, it kind of looked like a turkey. And you have those turkey looking things sitting on the table that was jello. It was awesome. <laughs> I never like turkey all that much, but I love jello. And, and so uh, you, you will get pressed into the mold of this earth, of this world system. And if you're not intentionally transforming your mind, you're going to get swept away. We, we read in the Bible about a faithful servant. He was on Paul's leadership team. Did ministry with Paul in multiple cities and multiple countries. His name was Demas. And he got attracted by the things of this world. He loved them and walked away from serving God. It could happen to you. Don't let it. Uh, we have seen, uh, some of you can identify with this, but we've seen people walk away from God. And I'm not talking about people in this community, but people around the, the country where Kathy and I have lived at different times. We've seen uh, a few people walk away from God, and they were church members. Some were old friends. Uh, they were uh, Awana leaders and Sunday school teachers and deacons and trustees and music directors and even a pastor who once walked with God and they got caught up in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and they got drawn away and, and the desires of this life, they walked away from serving God. Uh, life can be difficult and even monotonous sometimes, but chasing worldly pleasure will not satisfy. It will hinder you. So as someone wrote, only one life so soon it will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. You need to intentionally not love the things of this world. And one of the best ways to do that is when you truly love God, you'll be less in love with the things of this world. Intentionally choose to love eternal things 
as Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, if you then uh, were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your heart, your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Look to heaven, that long look toward heaven we talked about partly in part of the message last week. Uh, set your mind on those things, things above, and not on the things of this earth. Because if you allow the things of this earth to take root in your heart and life, it will hinder you spiritually. It will harm you emotionally. You will not become the person God wants you to be. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.